0: Glad to see you enjoy fellowship so much, talking with each other, it's great. Hey, I appreciated that Pastor Bob and Bill uh, did a survey here a few months back, gathered your questions, key questions about life, spiritual life, and today we are going to talk about another one of those key questions, that is, how can I discern the will of God? And maybe you've asked that question. How can I really discern or experience God's will and working in my life? Now, if you're asking the question like several people did and turned those notes into us, I just want to compliment you because just the fact that you're asking that question tells me something. It tells me this. It tells me you care about God's will and you're tuning in and you're trying to figure out, okay, God, how do you speak to people today? Yeah, I haven't heard an audible voice either. I know he could if he wanted to. But there's some other ways that he does communicate with us. And today we're going to look at those ways. And you, for the first time, you may be asking yourself the question, could I experience a God working in my life who not only cares about me, forgives me of my sin, but actually wants to guide me? And I want to let you know that Jesus Christ does have a plan for your life. A personal plan for your life. And He has the power to do something great about it. He can guide you, He can inform you, and He wants to take you somewhere beautiful. Are you open to it? Are you ready for it? Lord Jesus, we just pray that You'll just guide us through this information this morning. And I I know that some people uh, are coming with some big questions today about areas of their life that they want answers to. They would love Your guidance. And I pray that they would experience in the days and weeks ahead the experience of your guidance in their life. And for those who have never experienced that but would like it, I pray today that they might even open up their heart and mind to these ways that you've provided to actually experience your will at work in their life. And we all pray together. Amen. And so, how can you discern the will of God in your life? And the very simple answer is, is to follow these principles that you will find in your Bible. God actually does have a plan for you, and I'd like to know what the questions are that you're asking right now. What are the key areas of life that you're asking God, what do you want me to do? Raise your hand if you have one of those areas. Yes, what is it? Yes. and have trouble distinguishing what I'm trying to do to help them and what God's leading me to do. Right, and that's a tough one because when you love other people and they're making decisions, uh, they're in charge, and you're just trying to be a positive influence there, you're saying, God, how can I help? What can I do? Use me. Excellent. What else? Did I see a hand over there? Give me some more areas of life that you're asking questions about. Yes. Work? What about work? I should, keep should you keep working? Should you retire? Oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. Career questions? How many of you young people right now have no idea what your future holds in terms of a career, but you would like to know? Uh, yes, Ron, thank you. Thank you. I see a very young man over there wanting to know that. That's great. How many, how many of you... I'm surprised no one's raised, raised their hand. On. How many of you single people wonder... Who's the person that might marry me? Any anybody? Okay. There's a couple out of the 100 young people here that are not married. How about those of you who are facing health issues and you're facing big decisions? How many of you are asking questions in that area too? Yeah. Yeah. There's all these areas of life that we have big important questions about and God cares about what you're thinking, what you're feeling what you're going through. So we are going to travel quite quickly today through seven principles, seven, that are going to help you to discern God's working and will within your life. And so get ready, because here we go. God wants to be our guide, and he says, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be your guide even to the end. That's how committed he would be to you if you would just engage and trust him for it. If you just start asking God, would you guide me? Would you be my leader? And when it says guide right there, that's the Old Testament concept in an agricultural society with lots of sheep, lots of goats, where someone tended them and provided direction for them. There was a plan. There was provision. There was protection. There was guidance. There's everything they need. And God's saying, he wants to be that to you. Principle one, you have to recognize the universal and individual guidance that exists in the universe. Everybody is aware of the universal guidance. Everywhere I've gone in the world, I've talked to people, and I find that they all have the same desire to be treated right. They do. In, in cultures everywhere in the world, people want to be treated with respect, uh, dignity, Uh, They would like to be loved. They would like not to be lied to. They would like not to be uh, cheated or stolen from, right? All these things are universal, which begs the question, where does that all come from? Why is it everywhere? It's because there are absolutes in the universe, even though it may look faint to you. People out there are asking the same questions and have the same moral values on a certain level that says, hmm, there's universals. And that's out there, and that's good, and that's important. So if I was to draw a circle and divide it in half on one side, I would put God's universal guidance. Most of you are just kind of aware of those things as you go along in life. And how people treat you, you go, I like that. No, I don't like being treated that way, and we share that in common. The other half of the pie over here, the circle, would be the individual guidance, and that's where I want to focus on today. How many of you actually experience God's individual guidance for your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of you may hunger for that and actually want that. Notice in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this, that there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. That's the Holy Spirit from God. It also says there's different kinds of service. And it says there's different kinds of working. And every individual has these wonderful uniquenesses that God has put into their life. If you're a believer in Christ, you also have a unique Holy Spirit ability to minister for God in a way maybe you haven't discovered yet. But you can actually discover and explore that and find that God will uniquely use you to bless other people through that avenue. And so we call those spiritual gifts. And it says with those gifts, there's different kinds of service. So the gifts get applied in different contexts. So last night at our service, I saw uh, some people who have the gift of mercy. The Bible lists about 21 of these gifts. And I, I've recognized these people who have the gift of mercy. And I saw one who's a professional counselor. I saw another one who has the gift of mercy. And all they do is listen to people. And when when they listen to people, people end up saying things to them like, wow, thank you so much for helping me. And they say, Well, all I did was listen. And they said, But that helped me so much. And so you see this gift of mercy, and all these gifts can be applied in a lot of different service venues. And then it says there's different kinds of workings. In other words, the result or the impact it has on people can be very different. With one person, you might encourage them. For another person, you might help correct them. For another person, you might help them to have insight into something that they needed to see but just hadn't got it yet. What is your gift and how are you using it? If you don't know what it is, we would be honored to help you discover it. Our staff, every member of our staff, would love to talk with some of you about what your gifting is. We just want to encourage you to explore and experiment to discover your God given wiring to serve Him. Because when you start doing that, guess what? You start experiencing God's will for your life. He wired you for a purpose and he wired you guys differently. And that's what's so amazing in the body of Christ. So take, take example. Here's a couple examples from the Bible. Here's a guy you hardly ever hear about. You might not name your child this, but see, I've chosen Bezalel. Okay, so what do they call him for short? Uh, B, Bez, I don't know. And I filled him, this guy, with the Spirit of God With skill, ability, and the knowledge of all kinds of craftsmanship. And I look out at some of you guys, and some of you guys are craftsmen. Just amazing craftsmen. I see the work of your hands. How many of you work with wood? Okay. How many of you work with uh, metallurgy, metals of some kind? Oh, wonderful. Uh, How many of you are uh, masonry, work with rock? Okay. There's a few out there. How many of you just like to do crafts? I thought I'd get a lot of hands on that one. And so all of you creative, creative people, um, I respect and enjoy because I don't do well in that vein. That's just not my thing. It isn't. So some of you are like this guy, and God's wired you to work with your hands. You're not an upfront person. You're a give me something to create person. But then there's others here who are like Joshua, son of Nun, who was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded Moses. Here is a guy who is a leader. Here's a guy who gets in front of people. Here's a guy who's not afraid to speak to people or challenge people or exhort them, and he has the wisdom to help guide them to places where they need to get in their lives. And some of you are this kind of guy, this kind of gal. That's right. And between the upfront person and behind-the-scenes person, all of you fit within the continuum. Every one of you. Would you like to discover how God's wired you? The staff would love to help just do a little talk, discussion with you, and maybe we could help figure out how to let you explore and discover your gifting too. Principle two you want to know the will of God? You got to confidently test the Bible to be your guide doesn't do a good for to guide me but not be guiding you it needs to be personal direct one to one with God that he actually invites you to test the Bible out he's not afraid of it he welcomes you to test the Bible out for truthfulness for accuracy but for impact man as a youth it happened to me I decided I was going to read through the Bible and just see what was there. I had no idea what I had discovered, but I just remember it was about age 16, and I sat down with that book and just started reading and reading and reading and reading, and I made it through the whole thing, and I didn't remember most of it. But boy, it made me think some of the things that are in there. And Romans 12, 2 has become one of my favorite verses. Would you read it out loud with me? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He invites you to go to that Bible and test it out. If you don't have a Bible, go to the Welcome Center and get a free one from us. Just start reading it. Notice the word conform. Those of you who work with concrete understand this term. You create forms, you pour concrete in it, you put a mold there and you make something conform to it. God is saying, don't conform any longer to the worldly way of doing things because, well, it's not going to help you to have a healthy life. But instead it says, be transformed. And that's the term from which we get the uh, concept of metamorphosis. A change from the inside. And so when you come to church, that's something you do externally. Your body sits down here and you listen to what's said. But when you make the decision to hear what's said and to put it into practice, it changes your heart and your thinking. And that's what God's getting at. He's inviting you to a re- renewing of your mind, getting into His Word. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So, are you willing to test it? Some of you asked the question about testing. You wondered, how do you know the Bible really is God's Word and will? And it was more of a philosophical question. You wanted to know, is it true? And we've looked at that question, millions of people have, and it's been gone over many times. We have 40 people who wrote the Bible, and the Bible says that they didn't write their own thoughts down. It says that they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write God's ideas down so that we would have those preserved so that we could read it and understand God's will for our life. We have thousands of manuscripts in the 1st through 4th century AD. There's an entire field of study where people devote their lives to comparing manuscripts of the Bible. And they can take all those manuscripts... And they can study what it says, and they can tell you with integrity the Bible is consistent with those manuscripts, and those manuscripts are consistent with each other, except for vowel pointings and a few people who we know have made some changes, but we know who that is. And so we don't worry about that because we know with consistency what the text is and what we have now, and it's consistent. Another way we know that is contradictory evidence or contradictory statements by people in the first through fourth century following the apostles after they all died. We don't have records of anybody who's disputing this with evidence that convince us that we're wrong. And so we believe that the Bible we have today is true. And what it's saying to us is the very word of God. And there's many other reasons we can go into. So we test it but God wants you to test it on a level other than just philosophical. He wants you to test it experientially. He wants you to try it out and drive it. And we wanna challenge you to do that because when you compare the difference between living worldly and living the Bible principles in your life, you're going to experience a lot of benefit. And that's why many of you are here today. It changes your life for good and for God, and you just love it. You love the transforming power of the Bible in your life. Josh or Joseph was a guy in the Old Testament. He knew God's will and he got in a situation. He got in a sticky situation, folks. First of all, life wasn't easy for him. Uh, his other brothers didn't like him, and so they actually sold him into slavery that was a bad day yeah he ended up down in egypt down in egypt god blessed him anyway and so he goes to work for potiphar who's part of the leadership of the nation at that time and potiphar puts him in charge of his own household there's trust he's in charge of everything in that household except for potiphar's wife of course But Potiphar's wife notices something, and the Bible even says in uh, Genesis 39 that uh, Joseph was handsome and well-built. Potiphar's wife notices this and begins to think of him in terms of an inappropriate relationship, and she makes many efforts to seduce him. But it's really interesting what Genesis 39 tells us because Joseph applied God's word to how he lived his life. He said to her, He said, Your husband has put me in charge of all your household to take care of it, and he has no concern. And you see, Joseph is saying, I love that. I like that. I like being trusted. And then he goes on in that passage to talk about how he's being honored by this responsibility. And she tries to get him to do what's wrong, but he says, How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And so he keeps thinking what God has said, and he decides that's what I'm going to do. And so he does the one thing the Bible says to do in that situation it says, Flee, it says, Escape, it says, Get out of there, go now. And he did, and he got out of there. But what happened to him? The wife accused him anyway. And the husband's left with the decision, do I believe her or do I believe this guy I've put in charge of my household? And Joseph ends up in jail. Here's my point. God's will doesn't mean that everything's comfortable. God's will doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. In fact, when I look in the Old Testament at Moses... And the children of Israel, they're in Egypt. Once again, people who are in a situation that's tough. God brings them out from under Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he takes them out into a desert. I've been in that desert, but fortunately, I was in that desert in a very nice air-conditioned coach bus. It was very wonderful. Drove across the desert, very cool. I saw lots of sand, and I said, that's what they walked through for 40 years? There's assumptions about God's will that are so faulty. I'm not going to go very far into them. One is, is that the purpose of God's will is to make you comfort, give you a life of ease, and make everything convenient. I look at the Bible, and that's not what God promised. I see where uh, some people think that you trust God, and he's going to take away all your problems. I don't see that in the Bible. I see where people choose to do God's will. And some people think, well, if I do God's will, then then the people who really need to know that will agree with it. No, I don't see that. God doesn't promise other people are going to agree with you doing God's will. Doing God's will can be the hard thing. But the beautiful thing is, just like Joseph, his conscience was free. He knew he did the right thing. He walked away from the opportunity to sin that would have been so easy because he chose to do God's will. And the result is that the blessing was his conscience was free. A free conscience is a wonderful gift, isn't it? Principle three surround yourself with godly advisors. I wish someone would have said this to me as a teenager. Seriously, it's my biggest regret as a teenager. I was a book reader, but I wasn't a person who just got out there and started mingling with people and seeing, oh, there's somebody who's really smart with finances, or there's somebody who I really respect for living the Christian life, really godly, or, or there's a person there who's really skillful in an area I'm not. I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody, I just, I was kind of the typical American, because an American is supposed to be an independent person, right? You're supposed to do it on your own, uh, be the captain of your own ship. You can do it, rah-rah, right? And so we tend not to go there and seek out many advisors till we get in a crisis, and then, and then we're screaming for them, right? But what the Bible is saying is that we should have multiple godly advisors. And I'm encouraging you to begin looking for them. And saying, would you mind being kind of a coach to me in this area of life? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Principle four, ask the glory of God question. What is the glory of God question? It's what will give God glory. Notice I'm not asking what will give God the most glory. You and I don't know that because we can't see the future. We're not prophets. But what will just simply give God glory if we make that decision, that decision, or that decision? Just ask yourself that question. It's the honor question because glory means to honor. The original word was used for things that were weighty and heavy, literally. But then it came to be used for for people who were distinguished, people who lived distinctive lives, lives of uh, honor and character and virtue. The kind of people you look up to and say, There's someone I could follow. There's someone. Who could lead me? There's someone I'd seek advice from. Paul said to us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, see how broad he is with it? A big paintbrush, big paintbrush. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Honor God. In whatever you do, just think, how will I be honoring God? And do it. You know, we oftentimes make the will of God really tough, like a bullseye. Okay, here's a bullseye. We'll give you all bows and arrows. Hit it. <laughs> okay, a few of you would because you're marksman. You're good. But most of us, I'm going to duck. Okay? Right? And we think the will of God is always a bullseye, this little bitty bullseye. Hit the apple off my head. Here, I'll hold a coin. Go between my fingers. No, thank you. Many times have you noticed that decisions you can make have multiple options and that many of those options are good and would bring God glory either way? What I'm suggesting to you today is that you are free to choose the options that will bring God glory and that God is not stingy. He wants to bless you just for choosing any one of those options that will bring Him glory. I realize some people actually believe that you need to pray about what color socks to wear today because it might influence the universe. And then there's other people who go to the other extreme, they don't even go to bed and say, God, guide me tomorrow. They don't wake up and say, okay, God, you're out there. They just do life. But somewhere in the middle is where God wants to meet you in these various choices and say to you, pick one that will bring me glory and go for it. Some of you guys are so stuck in your analysis that you can't move forward with life. Make a choice to glorify God and just try to excel at it and watch God delight in it. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve and to what? Give. His life is a ransom for many. And that's what he challenged his disciples to do. To live their life with a service priority. You want to know what God's will? Part of it is is to serve God. In whatever you do, seek to serve him. Principle five. Be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come into your life at the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, and He will be your guide. He will give you direction. The Bible says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, Everybody who has a Bible, raise it up in the air right now. Raise your Bible up in the air. Hi, let's see it. Yep, yeah, that's a good, yep, we're a Bible church. That's right, we're Baptists. We've got our Bibles here. That's good. Because you see the Holy Spirit, can I borrow your Bible, please, sir? Thank you. The Holy Spirit takes the word of God and uses it. If I had a literal sword here today, I, I have a sword in the trunk of my car, but my son said, Dad, a plastic sword looks real dorky. So, okay, I'm just going to fake it. Pretend I'm holding a, a Sir Lancelot seven pounder here, okay? Right? I'm holding that sword. I don't just take that sword and start swinging it any way I want to. I use that sword according to its design and function. And if I don't, I just might go whack or whack. And that's not healthy. The Holy Spirit wants to produce health in our lives by taking the Word of God... And using it to transform us in here and in here. And so the Holy Spirit will never set this book down and pick up a different book. It'll always be the Holy Spirit of God will always guide you using these principles. If we will just open. Whoa, I didn't know that was in there. Oh. I didn't know that the Bible talked about finances that much. Oh, marriage. Wow, I could use some help in that area. And you just start doing that. You just start getting in that word. And the Holy Spirit's going to do it. I have so many Christians say to me, Pastor Ken, it was weird this week. I, was just, I just asked God to help me. And all of a sudden, I remembered this verse in the Bible that said something. And I could actually find it. And they were so excited because when they read it and confirmed, yeah, that's what it really says, they decided to apply it and it made a difference in their week. The Holy Spirit will always use this word to bless and transform you. And so, thank you, sir, for using that. Use it well. The Holy Spirit is unified, never contradicting, never... Becoming an independent operator, but always affirming and guiding you into the Word of God. Principle six, apply the wisdom questions. Some of you will be very uncomfortable with wisdom questions. Because you see, this is the part of life where there are actually gray spots. There's actually parts of life that are subjective The Bible acknowledges that there's some choices that you have that for you may be okay, but for another person might not be okay. And for you sometimes it's not okay, but the other person it might be okay. And so these are the wisdom questions that you must carefully apply. First, the influence question. How are you influencing people? What are you causing other people to think and be led into doing? Everything is permissible. That was apparently a quote that they were saying in those days, kind of a, a free concept of just wide open, everything is permissible. But Paul says, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Oh yeah, you might be able to go there, but will it really benefit others? Will it impact the other people in a constructive way? You must ask that question Because God asks you to love and care about people, and you impact people. The slavery question. I couldn't think of a better word for it, so I just kept it. I thought, should I call this the addiction question? And then I realized that was way too narrow for what the text was talking about. Everything is permissible. Sounds like a quote, doesn't it? You've heard it before. Everything is permissible for me. (coughs) Excuse me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be... what mastered, meaning come under the influence of, the undue influence of, the control of something. Sometimes a decision will take us a place we shouldn't go because there will be factors, there will be influences as a result of going there that will cause us to stumble, to not grow, to go the other direction. The faith question. Some people make decisions just based on pragmatic. Well, will it benefit me? Well, you have to ask yourself will it give you a clear conscience if you move ahead? Should you have a clear conscience if you move ahead? Blessed is the man. Or women, who does not condemn themselves by what they approve, but the man or woman who has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is not healthy. It's sin. God's looking out for us. You see, God's will is to protect and to provide for us, and we sometimes need to figure out whether we're on track or not. Those are the key questions. And then finally, principle seven for discerning God's will is to let God have the final say. Nobody that I know bats 100. I don't bat 100. I sat down and I wrote down the major questions that I could think of. You know, I wrote down those questions and I asked myself, when I made those decisions... Now do I think that I batted 100? No, I didn't. In fact, I came up with 30%. There goes your confidence in this message, right? The speaker only bats 30%. Well, here's what I've learned. I've learned that sometimes I make choices, and God wants to redirect me. And he's amazing at it. He closes a door, and you run into it, and you go, oh, that's closed. Where do I go next? And there's someone in the Bible that I thought would have batted close to 100, but they didn't. And let's look at them. Paul, the Apostle Paul, and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been what? Kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. God didn't want him to go there yet. I don't know how he kept him from going there, but it's credited to the Holy Spirit that kept him from moving there. Maybe it was a prompting. Maybe it was just geological, physical factors. Who knows what it was? But the Spirit kept him from moving there. He had to redirect. Be flexible. Be teachable. Be adjustable. Doesn't matter your age. You can do that. Change your expectations. This then is how you should pray, Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, read it with me, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I remember when I was about mid-teens and my best friend and I actually uh, worked sound booth at the church. That's the first time I've ever confessed that I've worked sound booth. I walked into the sound booth that was separate from the auditorium and therefore very private. And my friend James said to me as the pastor began his message, he said, You ought to get up there and speak. You ought to be a pastor. And I said, No way. That's lame. (laughs) And I'm sure if I would have been listening, I would have heard just what I heard right there. I would have heard chuckles from heaven. Because... I'm a pastor now. It's so weird thinking that I said, no way, that's lame. And now I'm doing that very thing. And it's not lame. And it's wonderful. And it's wonderful to serve you. And the staff loves serving you. And we would love for you to experience God's will working its way out in your life. How many of you, for the first time, would say, God, Jesus help me. I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to be guided by you. How many? How many of you would like that? Yeah. How many of you are willing to let God begin leading you? As soon as you receive Jesus as your Savior, His Spirit will start doing these things that we've talked about here today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, there's some here who would like to be led by your Holy Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the forgiveness of their sins through Jesus who died on the cross for their sins. And I pray right now they would just say to you in their prayer, I accept you, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me and guide me. And for those of us who have a few years under our belt there and we've been doing things kind of on our own, And uh, just by the seat of our pants and what we think is the good idea, we want to do what Jesus said and say, not our will, but yours be done. And so we make the exchange right now. We choose it. We choose to be led by you, Jesus. Thank you and amen.